Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 347 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so very glad that you are here with me today as I'm talking to Eleanor Shearer, who... This is a fantastic episode. Oh my goodness. This is what has inspired me to do those 500 words a day that I have been doing. We talk about parking downhill. We talk about being her being in New York, living the dream, doing the book tour. Um, so please stick around for this. It was a beautiful interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. What's been going on around here? Well, I have still been doing those 500 words a day on any project that I feel like. They are kind of bonus words. They are found words. They are feeling super delicious and fun. They are on top of the other work that I'm doing, but um, they are kind of this beautiful promise to myself that I am really, really enjoying making and fulfilling. So that has been really, really nice. Um what else? Well, a very, very big thing is that one of our best friends from the States is in town. She arrived last night. She's our first visitor to New Zealand. She's the first person to stay in the guest room office, the, the guest part of my little office suite here. And it has been such a joy to have Megan here. And we're just talking, talking, talking. Literally just had brunch a few minutes ago on a random Thursday morning. Some friends came over, made a big brunch, and that's been really good. So this weekend, we're going to do a lot of touristing and playing and going out and doing things. And it's a little bit rainy, but that's okay. It's summer in Wellington. Uh, it's still warm and delightful. So that has been fun. What else? I feel like there is more to tell you business-wise. Is there anything more to tell you business-wise? I don't think there is. I've been writing. I've been working. Classes have been going great. Really settling into the house. Uh, we're having a little housewarming party this weekend with people that we like. We have invited over and I am looking forward to that. Hopefully it won't rain that day, but you know, it might and that's okay. And I'm just feeling very grateful about this life and this house and how I have structured my life to get the words in, to get the work done. Super enjoyable. All right. So I want to thank new patron, Linda Moore. Linda, I wish for you the thrill of an eagle soaring high above a river um, mixed with the coziness of an underground mole tucking himself in for the night, blowing out his candle and snuggling into bed. So I hope that you have the thrill of flying and then the coziness of snuggling today. Thank you for being a patron. Thank you to all patrons. You allow me the time to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody wants to check out those perks over there, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Rachel. And now let's get into the interview because I feel a little bit boring this week just working and playing. So that's good. Um, and so let's talk about Eleanor because she is the reason you're here. Oh, you're going to love this. Okay. Eleanor Shearer is a mixed race writer living in London where she works as a researcher at a think tank called the Institute for Government. She is Jeanette Winterston's goddaughter and River Sing Me Home is her debut novel. Please enjoy this ultra delightful interview 
with Eleanor. I hope you get some of your own writing done. Remember, you are worth it. No one's going to write your book for you. You have to do it. That's the problem about writing, is that we have to write it. Do just a tiny bit of it, tiny bit of a chunk of it. Listen to this podcast, write for 10 minutes, and then come find me somewhere on the internet and tell me how it is going because I love to hear it. Okay, here we go with this interview. Enjoy. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month, I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Well, I couldn't be more pleased to have you on the show today. Hello. Will you please share your name and your pronouns with us? Hi, my name is Eleanor Shira. My pronouns are she, her. Thank you. Your book, River Sing Me Home, was gorgeous. I was so pleased to get, uh, I always feel so sneaky when I get the, the pre-pub through NetGalley. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful and heartbreaking. And I have been so excited to talk to you about this. Um, first of all, this is your debut. How, how does it feel? Cause it's not out yet, right? It, it actually is out now, oh! but only for a couple of weeks. Um, how does it feel? It, <laughs> it feels surreal. It's interesting. I was actually talking to a writer friend of mine whose book is coming out later in the year. And I said how I didn't feel like my life had changed, but in a good way, in a sort of, you know, how yes. sometimes you have these big events and you think yes. I'm going to wake up the next morning and my anxiety will be cured. My skin will be clear, but actually it never works out that way. And then she said, that's interesting. I feel like my life has changed. And because I've met amazing people and I'm mm. taken seriously as a writer now. And I thought, actually, you're so right. It's that this journey, because it takes such a long time to publish a book. And this has been a journey of little increments. So little moments of celebration such that when you get to the launch itself, it doesn't feel like such a big deal, even though yes. it, it is in a way, because you feel like you've taken all those little steps to get there. So I guess that's a long way of saying it feels really nice, but it feels not like this massive rupture in a really good way. It feels like yes. my life continues to just gradually change and accumulate all these things about being a writer. What a perfect way of saying that. I read something somewhere and I can't remember who said it, but she said that she expected that when she was published on the day her first book came out, that she would go out to pick up the paper and look up into the sky and feel that the whole world was changed. And I actually remember on the first day of my first book coming out, I went outside and I thought, oh, I'm just me still. (laughs) Nothing has changed. And there was this Mm -hmm. deep disappointment and also a deep well of relief that it's just, Mm. it's just, it's just normal. And what a a beautiful way that you put that. Can you please tell us about your writing process? This is a show for process junkies. How (laughs) do you get it done? Where, when are you pants or plotter? Do you write at home in the cafe? All of that. Yeah. So my biggest rule is that I try to write to a word count every day. I love and, a rule. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and other than that, I mean, I think I'm an interesting person in terms of 
the level of routine I can tolerate. I'm really someone who say with my exercise regime, I need to say to myself, I can run three times a week, say, but any more precise than that. And I start to get stressed. So I need enough routine to give me discipline, but not so much. It starts to feel like a huge burden. So effectively that 500 words a day, that's my limit. So then in terms of, is it morning? Is it afternoon? Is it evening? I I do have a, a day job. I work four days a week. So I have to fit it around that. And when I wrote my first book, I was working five days a week. Um, so I, I like to get it done in the morning because then it feels like it's not hanging over you even though 500 words I chose it because it's not very much you know even on your worst day you really can do 500 words and yeah. um, but also it, it's kind of like you know when you have a doctor's appointment say at two o'clock in the afternoon and then your brain just goes well that means my whole afternoon is, is I can't do anything that afternoon and, and also the, the morning my morning is also shot you know? yeah um, and sometimes it feels like that I'm I'm kind of if I have left it until after work and I'm coming home from work and it's about 6 p.m and I'm thinking I have no time this evening none at all when in fact on a good day that will take me 20 minutes to do and on a bad yeah. day maybe an hour and so it's so funny how if I get it done in the morning and out the way then I feel like oh the whole day is mine um so yeah I like to do it in the morning before work I get up early and um I have a cat I sit down in my living room my cat comes and sits on my lap and keeps me company while I write um but like I say I really don't I'm not too rigid about it the only thing I am rigid about is that 500 words every day for me um that was the breakthrough it's almost it was treating it like a job for me I guess I spent quite a while I'm sure lots of writers are the same waiting for inspiration to strike not wanting to write when I didn't feel in the mood and then I thought actually I go to my day job when I'm not feeling great I go to my day job (laughs) when I don't want to be there and so I have to make myself write these words and I think the other thing was I know some writers that do time rather than words. And for me, words was the motivator because I like how it expands and contracts. It's almost like a kind of punishment. If the words are not coming, you're checking Twitter every sentence. You're like, well, the only person you have to blame is yourself because the words have to get written at some point. Um, you could so be I out of here like in that. 20 minutes, but you're yeah. not, are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like if I set myself a kind of, oh, I'll do it for an hour, I always worry, what if it's not a very productive hour? Or what if it's right. not a very good hour? So yeah, 500 words a day for me. My first novel I wrote religiously every single day you know come rain or shine however ill I was feeling there's one very sad day where I had driven to see my um now fiance and then driven back in the same evening and I got home at literally midnight and I thought I need to do my words I haven't done them yet so I was very very disciplined about it because I was so worried that if I took even a day off I would lose my momentum now I'm a little bit more forgiving with myself because I know that a single day off here or there won't hurt but I still when I'm in the middle of drafting a project I like to be quite disciplined about it because also I appreciate the routine and the rhythm um the last thing I'll say about the 500 word thing is that the other reason I like it as a kind of manageable chunk is that I feel like it's means that you always finish the day often in the middle of a scene even in the middle of an idea or a moment that you then pick it up the next day and are not faced with a blank page and not faced with the start of a new chapter and not really knowing where the story is going it really for me allows time to to sit and it's been interesting actually this move from starting writing when I was working five days a week now I work four even on that now entire day to write I do write tend to write more than 500 words because I have the time but actually I think I've never written more than about 2,000 words in a day I hit a bit of a creative limit where I just Mm -hmm. need time to let the work sit and work out where it's going to go next because I am an outliner I do like to start my story with a sense of where it's going I write from the beginning of a draft through to the end I don't kind of jump around um 
but I always need to leave some room in that skeleton for things to surprise me to work out exactly how a character is going to get from A to B or what side character could come in at this point of the story to give it a bit of texture. So yeah, that sense of having time for it to sit between your 500 word chunks. I think if I was pushing myself to do 1500, 2000 words a day, I would just run out of steam so quickly. The 500 words is just such an amazing amount. And it is astonishing, isn't it? How fast it adds up. It mm-hmm. adds up into books. And, you know, for the first 10 years of my career, I was writing and working full-time and, mm. and then I became a full-time writer and I do not write books any faster now. I write it at mm, the same mm. pace as I did when I was fitting it around the day job. And, you know, and I, and I love it and it's fun and it's great, but, but I think our pace is our pace is our pace. And I wrote, I wrote one book in, in chunks of 4,000 words and I'm still not recovered. Like I am, <laughs> I am like Goodness. a good 500 to 1500 word writer a day at the most. Yeah. 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 I, I feel that. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Oh, that is a great question. Biggest challenge. Um, I think actually it's, I'm going to answer this question a slightly roundabout way because what first came to mind is um, I was once told by a friend of mine who also does a kind of word count per day um, that what you default to on the days where the words really won't come is kind of the thing that you enjoy most or get are most naturally good at. So for her, it's dialogue. She will write a thousand Mm. words in her day and she won't add any dialogue tags, any scene description. She knows obviously she'll have to come back, edit and that that. will, um, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but it's what allows the words to come. And for me, it's uh, plot and story. So when I was having my off days writing River Sing Me Home, it would really be, I need to get a character from A to B. I'm going to write the sparsest prose imaginable. And that was what labelled the words to come. And then it was only when I finished the draft that I realised in editing that, and so it's probably the, the challenge is the, the self-awareness, that the days that felt good, where the words were flowing, I had all these flowery descriptions, were overwritten and needed to be cut. And the days where the prose was functional and sparse, like I am a huge advocate of a bit of functional prose now and then. And so actually sometimes those sentences ended up in the final manuscript in a way that the ones I wrote when I was feeling good did not. So it's not necessarily so the annoying. challenge. <laughs> it's not, not necessarily the challenge in drafting itself but when it comes to editing like I guess it's the the old kill your darlings mantra but knowing that sometimes when I feel like I've written the best sentences known to man in the moment they will need to be cut and actually having it's quite a nice feeling to know that the days when it feels like it's the worst thing that anyone's ever written it's the plot is terrible the characters are awful who will ever want to read this those days still produce good work. And so it is worth persevering and, and keeping on with it. I love that. And our judgment will never be up to the task of deciding in that moment, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. It's just, it just needs to be done. It just yeah. needs to be done. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, I think... Um, I get it over the course of an entire draft and then actually in kind of microcosm through each sort of chapter and scene that I, um, when I, I can't start a book until I know how it ends often literally down to the last sentence. I'm always slightly impressed and baffled by writers that do start and do a process of discovery and don't know how it exactly a book ends for me. 
the way that I motivate myself, the thing that keeps me going, that keeps me crawling through that awful kind of middle two thirds where, as I say, it feels like the worst thing ever written is having that ending image in mind, wanting to earn that ending image, feeling like it would be emotionally satisfying to get there. And so the joy of getting there is kind of unparalleled but I also get it in miniature through each scene so when I get that idea and this is not necessarily starting from the beginning but I might be halfway through a scene suddenly think I know exactly how I'm going to write the climax here or actually two chapters uh, two chapters further on I've got a great idea for exactly what can happen and just getting that little ooh moment and then wanting so much to get there and this is why for Mm. me I have to be a writer that doesn't jump around because I think if I then immediately wrote that scene that feet that need to get that that impulse to get there would go you would and never go so back the and thing, fill it in yeah. yeah exactly so the thing that enables me to write an entire draft is like delayed gratification is making myself uh. wait for and earn for those moments but then um when they come they're so satisfying to write <laughs> I love doing this show so much because I'm always getting ideas and and wants and yens to do things differently and I am the writer who will always write my books to the dark moment and I'm I get so dark that I cannot fix it and then I will do a whole revision and then write the Mm. ending because I absolutely never know the ending but I am a delayed gratification person I will always eat everything I don't like before saving Mm. savoring I will I will receive a box of something that I love in the mail and my wife is always like why don't you open it I'm like, I'm, I'm saying I'm saving it. So when you <laughs> talked about it like that, I want to my next book to have an ending that I am moving toward in that delayed gratification. Mm. That sounds delicious. And I don't know how <laughs> to do it, but I'm going to try it. Um, and I know that you didn't get the questions ahead of time. So this one may throw you for a loop and I forgot to prep you for this one, but I think you'll do great. Uh, that said, can you share a craft tip that you have learned from writing of any kind with us? Um. I think I'm going to loop back to something I said earlier and give it a name. There was a wonderful um, essay in the Atlantic, I think, that finally named this concept called parking downhill. So it is this idea that you should end your writing day with something left in the tank, with a sense of where the scene is going, where the chapter is going. Don't write to the end of a scene and stop. Don't write to the end of a chapter and stop, because then that leads to the dreaded writer's block. It leads to you opening the document the next day, faced with having to take the story somewhere new and you don't quite know where it's going. Whereas if you make yourself stop that couple of paragraphs before you're going to round out a scene or a chapter, then you start the next day. You're excited to start the next day because you so want to write that little concluding part to, to a scene. And then that enables you to sort of build momentum and often you find that when you've written that you're in the flow of it and you can keep going so yeah parking downhill is my my big tip it's such a good it's such a good trick to get us going my only problem is that like nine times out of ten I sit down and I will actually stop mid-sentence because I am so confident (laughs) that I know where the sentence is going nine times out of the ten I know the next day when I sit down I can finish the sentence but that one time out of 10, I'm like, I don't even know uh, yeah. what I was thinking. So I do tend to leave myself a few notes if I am parking downhill mm. in that way. I, I I read that too, and I'd forgotten that phrase entirely. Let me ask you, looping back to the 500 words, how rigid are you? Because I, oh, I just, I love talking to people about process. I am one of those people. If I set myself a goal of 500 words, when I hit 500 or one, 502, I am exhausted. I'm like, I'm done. <sighs> and I'll stop in the middle of the sentence. But are you one of the writers who you might end up at 600 because you're kind of feeling it? Or do you rigidly stop at 500-ish? No, no, no. I always, I go through 500. And also it's it's sort of odd because if I end up hitting the next increments, if I've written a thousand, I then have to write 500 still the next day. I don't, um, but yes. if I stop at 
997 I only have to write three the next day and um, so that was sometimes my way of giving myself a day off effectively if I knew oh so I was going right. I was going out and I knew the next day I'd be really hung over I'd write 800 words 900 words and I'd be like you're still it's that I think it was that sense of wanting to come to the document every day but yes. having that built-in flexibility of look if you really do well the previous day you get a slightly easier ride of it but then sadly there are also the days where you write some exactly up to 500 501 502 and then you know that the next day you really are gonna write have to write all those all those words <laughs> oh this is so good okay uh, this is wonderful um what is the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career oh, that's such a good question um I think this is really playing the long game here but it's probably my mum and the reason it was the long game is that right from when we were children she was always the type of parent who said, I'm never going to lie to you about your abilities and talents. So I'm not going to you know, go out of my way to be mean to you. But to give an example, my mum used to be a musical theatre actress. So she really knows her, her stuff. And I was once in a play at school. I love musical theatre. I had my solo. And then I asked her how, afterwards how it was. And she said, it was very in tune. And so then I knew, <laughs> I knew that musical theatre was not, was not my calling. And um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I think it really helped because both when I was younger and into creative writing and she was encouraging me. And then when I came back to it as an adult and was writing this novel and when I finished it and she read it, the praise that she gave me was so meaningful because I knew that she wouldn't say it if she didn't mean it. And so, yeah, I think that's been the kindest thing is just having a, a mum and my dad too, like knowing that my parents would be honest with me when I showed them the book, they were the first people to read the book in its entirety. So, yeah. What a, what a gift that is. <laughs> that is so lovely. My, my mom died just, just before I picked up an agent and sold my first Aww. book. And she, she knew that I'd finished the book, but she never got to read any of it. And she was the, the biggest reader in the world. So I'm, I'm delighting vicariously in that, in that gorgeous, <laughs> in that gorgeous thrill. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, thank you, mom. Thank you, mom, because this book is in the world. Um, and what is the kindest thing that you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Another great question. Um, I think probably just given myself permission to believe in myself. Um, and actually, I, I, How? I feel like I've, I've shouted out my parents. So I now have to shout out my sister as well. But um, <laughs> when I started River Sing Me Home, I, I, by temperament, I'm quite a perfectionist. I'm quite a type A. I'm quite self-critical. And one of the things I realized when I was writing River Sing Me Home, and I'd written about 10,000 words of it, is I thought to myself, I actually think that I am a good writer in terms of I can string sentences together. I can write a good story. So that for me is not in question. The thing that's in question is whether this is the right story for me to write. Mm -hmm. So my sister was kind enough to read those first 10,000 words and just tell me all the only feedback I wanted was keep going. Like this isn't a waste of your time. This yes. isn't a waste of what you can do. Um, and it probably wasn't until I hit that point before then I was thinking maybe I'm just not any good at this activity maybe whatever book I write they will be terrible and it was something about actually the act of writing every day and having those sentences that just as a reader I was like I like these I enjoy my own work and mm. um yeah I guess the same feeling kind of came about although in quite a stressful way when I read the book in its entirety I had my full first draft and it was stressful because I sat down and because I write from beginning to end I think you can very clearly see me getting warmed up so the first chunk of it 
I just, as a reader, did not enjoy it. And I was like, oh my goodness, what if I read this whole thing and it's all terrible and I hate it? And then it was like a switch flipped around chapter eight and it suddenly got good. And I was like, as a reader, I am enjoying this. And that was quite a nice thing. Again, feeling like I didn't have to qualify it. I didn't have to um, do myself down or anything. Like, I absolutely believe this book will not be to everyone's taste. You can't please everybody. Um, any writers out there, I highly recommend. If you read a book you love, if you have a book you love, go and look at the Goodreads reviews. Look at yes. the one stars. It's so yes. true that even a book that you adore will have its detractors. But I was so pleased that when this book was acquired, when I knew it was going to be published, now it is published, I have that security in its quality for myself. I don't, unlike so many other areas of my life, I'm not sitting here thinking, if I get one bad review, it's because the book is terrible. If someone hates the book, it's because it's terrible and I'm an awful writer. I have somehow managed to develop a bit of resilience, a bit of kind of confidence mm-hmm. in myself. And that that whole growth and process of me trusting myself and trusting my abilities as a writer has been the kindest thing that I've done for myself. That is gorgeous. I, I'm actually, I don't, I always ask these questions, but I don't know if I've ever answered them for myself in my head. But as you were speaking, <laughs> I realized that the thing that brings me most joy, the most the most joy in writing is there's so many things, but is the day when I put it on in my Kindle, it's about to go to my agent or my editor and I read it in its entirety. And I have the deep bone enjoyment. Mm. Um, like, I just don't care if anybody else likes this. And of course, then I'll get copy edits. And then I realize I'm the worst writer in the whole world. who's never used a comma <laughs> before, but that feeling of enjoying it is so, so good. So um, going back to your sister, what did she say to you after she read those 10,000 words? So they, using they, they, they pronouns, sorry. they, um, oh, don't worry, you want to know, they um, basically just said, keep going. I really like it. I found it very emotional. I think it's it's good. So it, it really was, I because especially because I write in order, I think that any more detail than that, you know, I'm not going to come back and fix it. If I came back and yes. fixed it, that would derail my whole process. Right. So exactly. all I needed to hear was that. I really enjoyed it and it's good. (laughs) But it also sounds like you were direct with them about what you wanted to hear from them. You didn't want to hear the fixes. You just wanted what you need. Keep going or don't, you know, absolutely go get a different idea. Oh, that was so, that was so clever of you because it's dangerous to show our work to somebody so early, but you knew what you needed and you asked for it and you, and they also didn't offer you more. So that was really, really good on their part. It is. And unfortunately, they've now signed themselves up to a lifetime <laughs> doing it for all of my books. They're always going to get these little scrappy 10,000 word chunks of, <laughs> of a half formed book. And they're going to have to be the one to tell me keep going or don't. But um, I hope they don't mind it too much. May they always say keep going. <laughs> That's my wish. All right. Well, you tell us about the best book that you have read recently and why did you love it? Yes, it's not going to be news to anyone, I'm afraid, because this this writer is is well known. Um, but I got a gorgeous set of um, Jane Austen editions for Christmas from my mum. And I have read most of them already, but I wanted to reread some of my favourites. Um, and I actually just finished Persuasion. I'd done Pride and Prejudice first, then Sense and Sensibility, and then Persuasion. And I kind of feel like maybe growth and adulthood is moving from Pride and Prejudice being your favourite Austen to Persuasion being your favourite Austen. I have never read Persuasion. Isn't that I, awful? I've only read Pride and Prejudice. Oh my goodness. I've been, I've been I, kind I, of saving Persuasion and I'm 50. Maybe I should get around to it. <laughs> 
Like, I, I mean, oh, it was just gorgeous. I, I do, I love, love, love Pride and Prejudice. I studied it at GCSE um, in the UK and even that was not enough to kind of kill my my love for it. Um, so it was very fun to reread. I think it's a great love story as attested to by the fact that so many people have adapted it. It continues yeah. to be kind of, there continue to be reinterpretations and riffs on it. But Persuasion, which I have, I think I had read a very long time ago but I possibly you know when you have those books that you think you might have read but actually maybe I only watched the adaptation or something it just hit me with such a force that I thought either I read this before and didn't fully get it or appreciated Mm. it appreciate it or I've never read this and I just adored it I was almost I was reading it in a a cafe here in New York where I'm uh, staying doing a bit of publicity for the book and yeah I was just in this cafe and genuinely shedding shedding tears over the quality of the writing the beauty of it the observations of it and um yeah Persuasion by Jane Austen if you haven't read it yet get on it <laughs> may I indulgently ask did you have the appreciation of the moment that you're in freaking New York reading <laughs> Persuasion on your book publicity tour please tell me you had that moment <laughs> I did. Don't worry. My Instagram got a very obnoxious <laughs> post of my coffee, my book, the New York City Good. tag being like, yeah, I'm in New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be pretentious about it. <laughs> I once went to a, it'll be one of my my core memories forever, but I was at the Boathouse in New York at a HarperCollins publishing party. And I think it was my first publishing party and mm. I was fit to be tied and and all the other authors who had been authors for a long time were just walking around really blasé. And I remember my editor telling me, because I said, I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm the one, but I'm so excited. She's like, it is so nice to see this. Nobody else does Aww. this. Nobody else is this embarrassing. But I was, I was just so, I mean, seeing the swans float past and oh, yeah. That's so special. Yeah. yeah, it was. Speaking of special, would you please tell us about your book for people who haven't read it yet? Can you give us a little bit of a elevator pitch? Yes. So River Sing Me Home is set in the Caribbean just after the end of slavery. And it's about a woman, Rachel, who's going looking for the children that were taken from her and sold to different plantations. Um, One of the great crimes of slavery was the way that it broke up families, destroyed families. And Rachel is inspired by the women in the Caribbean we know really did refuse that act of destruction and try and put together the pieces of their families again. I just got goosebumps thinking about it as you were talking, <laughs> talking about it. It is available everywhere in, in every fine bookstore and online. Um, will you tell us where we can find you? Yes, I am on Twitter and Instagram, Eleanor B. Shearer. And I also have a website, eleanorshearer.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. It has been a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. And may it fly from the shelves. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a wonderful chat. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>